Hi everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Outdoor PM School podcast, where we explore product management careers in the outdoor industry. We talk with PMs from top outdoor industry brands and ask them about their career path, what it's really like to be a PM, and any advice they would give others aspiring to follow the same path. My name is Dawson Westensko, and I'll be your host. During episode 9, I talk with Phil Westenberger, the head of product at Edelrid, a top German climbing brand. Phil successfully completed undergraduate and graduate degrees while traveling and living out of his van, fully maximizing his climbing and ski time. Phil started as the first PM at Edelrid and now oversees all aspects of product creation, including product management, development, and design. This episode is brought to you by Betagraph Consulting, a fractional product management and sustainability consulting group based in Bozeman, Montana. Check out betagraph.co to learn more. Hi, Phil. Welcome to the Outdoor PM School podcast. I'm excited to have you here today. Thanks for having me first. Maybe we could start with you giving the audience an overview of your background and how you got in the industry. I guess um, what's quite important to understand why I chose this path to get where I am today is is actually my time studying. I I studied, um, or I did a bachelor's degree and a master's degree in in Germany, respectively Switzerland, in uh, industrial engineering. The literal translation from the German word would be business engineering. So you do a a career in business administration and technical field. And the combination of this is this engineering part. Is it mechanical engineering or is it just sort of general concepts of engineering that that would apply to business? There are different types um, of of this business engineering courses. My bachelor degree was more um, uh, information technology based. And then my master's degree was more, probably more on the mechanical side. Mm Mm-hmm. But yeah, it was actually not not so much my studies or the university um, that got me where I am today. It was more um, this time of studying um, because I, it happened that I that I found out that I uh, don't even, don't really have to attend classes and still am able to to pass all the exams, which um, was quite it was quite a coincidence at the beginning, but pretty awesome afterwards, of course, because I was able to maximize. Uh, my time skiing, traveling, and and um, and rock climbing, um, which yeah, gave me this really extensive time of over ten years pursuing this, and it made me realize that whatever I'm going to choose as a job later on, I want to have something to do with skiing or rock climbing, something right. with the outdoor industry. You know, most people attend college for four years and sort of go to Mm -hmm. class and go through the paces. How did you happen upon, hey, I can actually, if I just take the exams, then I can just sort of work my way through school without having to go through all of the the classes and such? Uh, I mean, for this, you need to know that probably in, in Europe... Or at least in the German-speaking countries, the um, the university is, I guess, a little bit more liberal than um, in countries like the US or the UK, um, where it's more like really course-based. Where um, here um, there are not, I mean, depending on the career, but in general, people at university or the they don't give really, um, they don't care if you 
if you're there or not, you just have to pass the exam and um, this is your responsibility. And um, for my studies, I needed to do an internship that was mandatory, um, which I was I wanted to do somewhere abroad and um, was able to do this in India. Um, <clears throat> but the internship fell into a time of the year um, where there were actually uh, lectures in, in all of this. Um, so I wasn't able to attend um, the lectures that was in my second semester. And when I got back from India, um, I thought, well, worst case, I'm just repeating the semester, but I thought, hey, why not try and just write the exams? And so I did that and, and passed all the exams and thought, okay, this uh, seems to also work without uh, being there. And uh, yeah, since then, I've never attended an, uh, another class. Yeah. And so again, you were at the time you were teaching skiing, you were, you were spending quite a lot of time, mm -hmm. uh, uh, climbing and essentially said, well, I guess if I don't need to be there, then I won't be there. Did you, at that point when, when you had that realization, did you decide I'm going to do my whole college course, uh, my whole college degree, um, without attending class? Or did you say, well, I'd like to get a little more skiing in the next semester. So, you know, and then it sort of went well again. So you said, oh, maybe I'll do it for another semester. I'm just curious how that worked. No, I think once once I found out that this worked for me, um, and I think, I guess it's a little bit also the how, how it's, I, I don't think that this is for everyone because uh, it's just the way I, I, I learn stuff, I learn very well by myself. And so for me, it was clear once I, once I saw that this is possible, that there is no one complaining that I'm not at class or something like this. I knew that I, I was able to, to pass all the exams in the future as well without attending the class. And so then I already started to build my life around this. So um, I knew, so back or like when you're in university, you have usually um, a, a few concerns. You have university, you have to make a living somehow. Um, you have your passions in your free time. I tried to to play down or like minimize university, minimize the living part, which meant that I compromised on having an apartment. Just I, I lived in my van and um, well, ate not very healthy. <laughs> Just uh, whatever was there to because I have to had to finance all all by myself, and which is easier in Europe as university is usually not that expensive. But I try to minimize everything to maximize the, the time traveling and skiing and, and, and climbing. So I also try to, to work and do something with climbing and skiing. So I financed everything with uh, working as a ski instructor in winter and then in the beginning um, working in summer in climbing jobs, climbing gyms, setting routes, giving courses, um, and later on, I would then always go to South America for the for the winter there to to go to work as a ski instructor. And then, when they had summer, I switched to Europe and worked there as a ski instructor. Um, yeah, yeah, sounds like a pretty fun way to to go to college. <laughs> yeah. What was your plan after you graduated with your master's degree? Yeah, I did. I remember then. I uh, after my master's degree, I went to. Uh, Africa for a few months just traveling and then I thought I'm going to do one more season 
Um, but uh, it was it got clear to me that after after ten years, I would I I thought it's it's going to be time to maybe get a more stable job, um, settle down somewhere, getting a mailbox, all that luxury stuff, <laughs> and uh, then then I started to I mean I had it. I had a university degree, and so I thought I'm just going to apply and try to find a job in the outdoor industry. Um, yeah, no, so I what, imagine this this was where I could combine still a, a bit of my passion while getting a little bit more settled in life. Right, and had that always been your plan, or did you did that occur to you as you were? you know, working as a ski instructor and going through university, at what point did you say, yeah, the outdoor industry is where I'd like to end up? Um, I, I think I, I never made a really specific plan during this year, but it was always like this, hey, I could do this. Um, but I also remember that for sure for a certain amount of time, um, I wanted to be self-employed, find something um, to start my own business, as I thought this way, I could uh, I could control more my time management, um, which is probably whoever I mean, all the people starting their own business they probably know and I know by now that this is probably more the opposite in the beginning at least. Um, but I, I'm sure I had this for quite a while to think that I'm want to start a company maybe, and then only later on I thought, hey, I think now maybe knowing some people that did this already, I probably still have more time climbing or skiing while working some kind of office job. What was the first job that you, that you got? Um, I mean, really like after finishing my, my degree, I, I right away looked for a job and got to, or like got this job at Iterate already where I'm, I'm working now since six and a half years. Um, I would say, like uh, I said before, in Europe, it's it's more common to do internships um, while while studying. So, working experience wise, I I had a couple of internships that I did. I worked in um, in climbing shops as well, selling climbing gear um, and this kind of stuff. So, but then really my first job was, uh, I, I mean, and, and I would say I was really lucky that I found this job at Iterate um, because I've also found that it's quite hard uh, coming from university, uh, finding a job because a lot of the jobs require already some kind of uh, working experience. Um, yeah, so I, I can only say that I was quite lucky to to find this job. What was that first job? Yeah, that was actually already, um, it was a, a trainee or a, they called it junior uh, at, in product management, um, which happened to be, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I was a product manager and I was basically the only product manager at Iterate because at that time, uh, Iterate decided to to introduce this, this department uh, within the company that hadn't existed before. Um, so before the product management tasks were just scattered around different departments in the in the company, and um, and so yeah, I, I started this job. And my my boss was uh, the head of purchase back then, so he also didn't have a hundred percent of his time that he could dedicate uh, to to the product management. 
So I was quite on my own in the beginning, which was, uh, yeah, which was rough, <laughs> I'd say. And did you know what product management was before you got that role? Or was it more a situation where you said, I know I want to work in outdoor. I'm really passionate about climbing. And so you were really keeping an eye on climbing mm-hmm. brands you were familiar with. Yes. I mean, honestly, like when I was, I always went to, to the climbing manufacturers' web, websites or ski, basically all of outdoor or outdoor-related brands and, and looked for jobs. And honestly, I would have taken probably um, most jobs that I found. Um, and it only happened to be that I, that I luckily found this product management job, um, which now looking back today, I'd say fits my skills um, probably the best. Um, but this was really uh, luck, to be honest. And I didn't, I, I think I, in, at university, you get to know what product management is in, in terms of what you can hardly imagine about it. But I probably didn't have a very specific idea about it. And it's funny that I think still, if you tell people today that you're a product manager, they usually the follow-up question is, so what do you do as a product manager? Because to a lot of people, I think if you say you're working in sales or marketing, that's it's, it's more imaginable what you do then. You sell products, you advertise products. But with product management, it's, it's I think it's not so obvious, which is probably also because it's it's interpreted very differently within different companies as well, and the nature of the company. And the products specifically, right? Different products exactly, will, yeah. have, will have different types of needs and different markets and industries will have different yeah. requirements that the product manager will help help manage. Exactly, and so, yeah. so, so you jumped into that first role and you know, what was the biggest surprise for you? Was it what you had expected or, you know, you said it was, you were sort of out on your own. So what was that like? Maybe as a, a bit of, a bit more background to the company Iterate um, is probably mostly known in, in the U.S. certainly for um, climbing gear. Um, but we also do a lot of gear uh, for working at heights. So more the industrial part we're doing also gear for uh, or like all kinds of courts. So the, the core business of Iterate that they started over 150 years ago now is ropes. So we have uh, Iterate has its own production facility in in, the, in in Germany. And I think the the biggest surprise for me was just this: how much detail is behind the simplest product? You know, I think. Everyone can imagine a little bit the technical side behind a product, um, but there, even there, there's so much detail in the craft, how the product is produced. But what people, and I think also myself, is oftentimes not appreciating is like what other stuff goes into this product. You know, you have requirements for packaging, for manuals, you have uh, patents to take care of, trademarks, uh, rights. Uh, finding a product name, uh, coordinating all these processes within the company. Um, for us, as we do, as we produce protect, uh, personal protective equipment for working at heights, there are a lot of standards required that you need to fulfill. Um, and just this, just this big amount of of details that go into really one simple product. Um, that I think this I would have never imagined before. 
what I've observed is that a lot of companies bring in product management for the first time is they're having problems managing all that detail across departments. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's where they start to say, we really need one person who can help centralize some of this and is, and is sort of the expert on the product and on the category. And they can help us wrangle all of this different information and knowledge in one place yeah. because God, it's very easy for it to get lost across the organization. Packaging is a great example, right? If it's amazing, even when the marketing team knows a great deal about the product, they they don't, uh, the product manager is really the person that can help really clarify the positioning and the customer and really make sure that it's being communicated effectively at the end. Yeah. Packaging is actually really a good example because it has, you know, requirements for for a salesperson, that, um, and, and and the customer that put it on the shelf, um, it has require it has legal requirements that need to be fulfilled. Um, it has this market that the product needed needs to be advertised. Um, then there's of course like with everything a price issue. So everything you spend on the packaging, you somehow have to uh, to to calculate as a cost of the product. Um, so it's packaging is such such a simple thing that gets disregarded most of the time in everyday life, but it's actually uh, yeah something that is that needs a lot of coordination between within the company. Yeah, it does. And so for you, when you started, you know, you got into this new role, you're doing this thing called product management. Uh, it was as it is for many first time product managers you know, drinking from the fire hose and trying to, to get your bearings at, at what point did you come to the conclusion? This is something I really enjoy and that I really like, and that I want to continue doing, mm-hmm. uh, versus saying, man, this isn't what I signed up for. <laughs> what did I get myself? <laughs> what was that like for you? I mean, I mean, to be honest, it was, it, it wasn't, it, it didn't take such a long time because, um, of course, it, the emotion I would take or I would use to describe this this, this beginning in product management was uh, uh, shocking a little bit. You know, being confronted with that you had no idea about so many so much stuff that you should have an idea about. But at the same time, uh, for me, it was really uh, from the first uh, from the first day on. I also was so psyched to work there, um, just. You know, the the people that work usually, or like the probably oftentimes work at outdoor companies. You have these like most of the your colleagues are climbers. Um, they're very like-minded people in general in the outdoor industry. Um, a lot of them are not very materialistic. Uh, you can go to work in shorts and, and barefoot. Um, and I was super psyched to be there. I was I was I was super excited. Um, to have something to do with what I really love. So my the, the imagination that I had before that I wanted to find a job in the outdoor industry um, came exactly true. So I was, from day one, I was super motivated to be there. It didn't really take a lot of time in my case. And I, I got, I also really obsessed then over, over um, catching up on, on the knowledge that I was lacking. So I remember uh, in my free time uh, learning um, standards like the safety standards by heart to to be able to to take part in discussions. You know, 
So it is just this um, intrinsic motivation was really, really strong for me from the first day on, actually. But it just takes time. I mean, it, it, it takes a long time to catch up on this knowledge that, that you're lacking. Quite hard to prepare for this um, mm. because you go to a different company and the product-specific knowledge will be a little different. Yeah, and you, you mentioned earlier that you found that being a product manager aligned really well with your strengths and with your mm-hmm. you know, personal characteristics. What, what are those characteristics that, that align so well with being a product manager? Um, yeah, I, I would say that my, my personal superpower is that I'm, I'm an, an, an all-rounder. So I can do uh, a lot of stuff over average. And I don't think that the skill level is necessarily for is necessary for that, but I think um, a product manager needs to be a good all rounder in general. Um, he needs to be like very maybe passionate, or you could say the best way would be maybe to be obsessed also about a lot of different stuff um, around him and dive into this and and being interested in learning all the different parts around it. So being an, an all-rounder uh, myself, this was something that suited me very well then. Yeah, I think that's a great point. And, you know, to your, you use this example of being above average at a lot of different things. And I actually think that's a pretty good, that's a pretty good baseline. You know, you don't have to be an expert or incredibly good at everything. Mm-hmm but you do have to be able to get to a fairly high level at a, in a lot of different areas, including market research strategy. You know, you yeah. have to know just enough about finance and spreadsheets to, to be yeah. able to do costing and you have to understand uh, packaging requirements and all of the, like you said, some yeah. patent information. And there's, you have a pretty amazing breadth of knowledge across a lot of different areas that, that yeah. is, part of the challenge, but also part of what I think defines uh, what, what really good product managers love about the job. Yeah. And the knowledge is one part. I think um, uh, another part you need to be a rounder in certainly are, are soft skills. I, uh, I listened to some, uh, some other podcasts um, you did in the past, um, which are really great by the way. Um, and most of the people or I think maybe all of them said that communication is um, a very crucial skill for a product manager. Um, and I would, I would say that's, that's definitely true, but I would specify it a little bit that, I mean, it's not about talking a lot. Um, it's about talking different languages and about like with languages, I don't mean national languages. This certainly helps you as well, but uh, I mean, like languages within the company, you know, you have to talk to a developer and th- this guy needs the same information explained in a little bit different way than when you talk to a person from marketing or from sales. And um, you need to to understand all of these people, where they're coming from, because, I mean, all of them are doing their jobs and they have their objectives. And this is something that is super crucial to be able to to talk, talk these, talk and understand these different languages that uh, are existing within a company. 
Yeah, I think that's that's such a smart point and so so very true. I can remember very early in my career running up against a situation with a with a salesperson and you know, I without going into the details, I really felt like I was right. Mm-hmm. You know, I really felt like I had I I had the right, I had the truth on my side. And I just remember my manager at the time who was a mentor of mine and really taught me a lot about product management and, and, you know, business in general and relationships. And and his point was, it actually doesn't matter if you're right or wrong. What matters Mm -hmm. is getting to the right place at the end of the day, Mm -hmm. right? Whatever that right outcome is, you as the product manager, it's not about ego and it's not about doing what you want. It's about getting the best possible outcome given all of these different variables. And, and one of the mm-hmm. biggest variables is people, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And so you have to be able to work within that framework in order to get the best possible outcome, which is the best possible business outcome and the best possible execution of the product and the best possible uh, you know, environment and, and team dynamic and all yeah. of those things. Other people in the organization probably deal with less because they do more work within their own team where there's more people. But when you're in product management, you inevitably work with so many different people throughout the process. Very, very good. Very uh, good point there for you. What, as you look at the, at the role and maybe, you know, your first few years in the product management position, what part, role is your is your favorite what you know you mentioned a little bit having involvement in lots of different areas mm-hmm. but one specific area that you really enjoy the most about being a product manager mm-hmm. i think it's definitely this the fact that with my team we we create products and therefore also are able to change them that we that we actually use for to in pursuit of our passions and this is something that is super rewarding um, being able to think up a harness and um, I mean we are also that lab that we are data rate that we have all the the production facility there so you can sew your harness and then in the afternoon go and climb it and that's something that is it is certainly the the, the coolest part for me about this uh, and had been for the from the first day on but like you said, Specifically, also as a product manager, you if if you are really motivated, you can make a huge impact within the company. Um, because when we talk about manufacturing companies, the, it's all about the product, you know. And you have a big part in deciding how these product develops. And this is something, yeah, the, probably the the thing that I really like it, or my favorite part of, about being a PM. And so, what's your least favorite part? Um, probably the downside of this, uh, which is that you have so much uh, to do with these various parts of, of within the company that you, I sometimes would really like to to work on on a project for a longer time and with more intensity, which is something that I, I barely get to do anymore. Um, so a lot of the st- stuff that when I want to sew some way, something or um, I recently got into rope splicing a lot, I, I do it in my free time. That actually leads pretty well into my next question was, I don't think we 
we brought people along with the fact that when you started with Edelrid, you were this sort of hybrid product management role, and you were really the first product manager in the company. Mm-hmm. But since then, it's evolved, and now you mm-hmm. manage all of the product, and so you mm-hmm. oversee all of the product with a with a team of product managers, designers, developers. Mm-hmm. And so, I would love to hear how your role has changed mm-hmm. since taking on a little bit more of a management role of the product team instead of directly managing the product itself? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good question. Certainly for the majority of the time I I spent building up this, this product management team. So it was only, or like it was mainly involved in product management, um, meaning uh, that it, in the beginning it was a lot about organizing the process within the company that we want to have like this regular process of, okay, now we start with new products and until we launch them at a certain part and getting all those different tools in, in place, like uh, how you calculate products, how you present them later on uh, at the sales meeting, at the annual sales meeting that we have. And also like getting the requirements from in the beginning of the, of, of a development um, fixed. Like in, in the beginning, I think I spent a lot of time trying to refine this process and also understanding this. And the more people joined the product management team, the better we were able to do this and the, the better we were able to dive into more details within a certain uh, task within this process. And then it the product management at, at one point uh, got already to a size where... Uh, each product manager would probably also function more as a category manager, um, overseeing different products that are useful for uh, the different business units that Iterate has. So like I said before, this recreational climbing is one, work safety is another, adventure parks uh, would be a third one. And um, yeah, and then in the past one and a half to two years, I also then we merged the development team and the product management team to the, the department that's now called only product, just the product department, um, which enabled us now to work even closer together, the development teams and the product management. That's a little bit like how this this whole process went down. Yeah, I think one of the things that I've found too that's kind of interesting is that part of what is appealing about product management is thinking in advance because you're always thinking further out. And when you're specifically working on one product or when you start working on a, on a full category, you're always trying to figure out how do we build, what are the next steps that, you know, Mm -hmm. strategically we need to take and and all these things. I think one of the things that's interesting when you move past a, a product management role to more of a, whether it's a director of product or head of product, you know, a little mm-hmm. bit different at every company is part of what is appealing is figuring out the machine. Cause then you start to focus a little bit more on this machine of product creation mm-hmm. and what needs to be in place to make that really effective and mm-hmm. what makes the best team. And so instead of being focused on building the product, which you still are, right? But there's also yeah. this element of how do we build the process and the team in order that the machine can deliver the best possible output as opposed yeah. to just specifically on the product, which is a different twist on product management, but I think is also uh, very interesting and, and fun as well in a, in a little bit of a different way. 
Yeah, yeah. So as you look back at a career working on a lot of different product, is there anything that stands out as, as being a product or a category or a launch that you're particularly proud of or that you love to sort of mm-hmm. highlight, hey, this is the coolest product I've ever worked on? Mm-hmm. Yeah, probably my there, there are two products that uh, if I look back, are um, I remember quite vividly. And one is it was just my first product. The first product that I, I worked on, um, it, it was it was a super simple product. Um, it was a headlamp, and there wasn't so much development going into it because the headlamp was already existing, and it was more about like a facelift, um, a new packaging, and so on. But I did all the steps by myself, and I just remember this this day where I walked into a shop, and there was this product that I created on the shelves. And that was just such a cool feeling. Um, so I certainly, that's, that is just one of my favorite products because, or projects, because it was the first one and it was like, it was so, I was able to see what I've, what I've done, you know? And the second one is then, I mean, it's, it's, it's a way more significant one, one that we just finished recently, actually just introduced it to and uh, going to, uh, start selling it by the beginning of next year. It's a, a climbing rope um, that is made from climbing ropes. So it's uh, we closed the circle on the, on this product, which is it is quite special because it's a project that we've been working on for uh, almost five years. So as long as I'm in this company, and um, I guess to understand the significance of this a little more. Um, you have to know a little bit more about, or like I, I need to give a little bit more background about PPE because, I mean, if you hear today that something gets recycled, it's maybe not super exciting. Um, but the problem with recycling in general is that um, you're always left with uh, inferior material. And this means you can you can do inferior products with it. Um, and, for example, making a T-shirt out of um, PET bottles um, is it, it's a great thing, but um, it's not super difficult. And you also, when the t-shirt would break because the not the quality is not a hundred percent right, no one's going to die. Mm-hmm. But it's different with a climbing rope um, where people's lives depend on. So the the requirements just technical, technically mm-hmm. and quality wise for the recycling process is um, is way higher and it's it was something that was never been done before so this pioneering characteristics of this of this project and when we when we passed for for the first time the, the technical tests that was quite amazing and and seeing this product now come to life that you've been working on so much so many years that's that's certainly my other favorite product a project that yeah, that's pretty amazing. And and to your point, in looking at the recyclability of products, you're always running up against the material degrading with each mm-hmm. with each cycle of recycling and reuse. Which again, mm-hmm. then it has a limit. Whereas if you're able to maintain the integrity of the material, then it can almost be infinitely recyclable, which is pretty amazing. And it's sort of the holy grail, right? In, yeah. In products, so that's that's amazing. I had not heard of that product. That's very cool. Yeah, it's and, quite new. We just yeah. introduced it last month. 
and just to work on a project for that long, that's that technically challenging and to see it be successful is, is so rewarding. So as you look out, I'm, you know, in order to do a, an undergraduate degree and a master's degree on your own, I'm sure you read a lot. Mm -hmm. Uh, any, any books that have helped you in, in product management or that you would recommend to people who are interested in product management? Yeah, I, I do read constantly. Um, and I recently just discovered audiobooks for myself, which is a really great way of, of reading when you're actually doing something else, like approaching to a client or commuting to work or something. I found this really makes you feel like you're using your time efficiently. I, I wouldn't say that there's a specific book that uh, has helped me, but I, I read a lot about the stuff that I'm, the specific stuff that I'm doing. So I mean, my, the people I live with, they make, especially my girlfriend, they make fun of me all the time because I'm reading stuff, I'm reading books about metal and uh, <laughs> of, of plastics. At the moment I'm reading a book about uh, rubber technologies. Um, so, I mean, I, I find this the, the most helpful stuff that you can read um, because what university can only prepare you so much, like I said I think then you dive into a specific job and you have a specific product and there's a whole world around this specific product or product category. And reading up on this in, in books, in, in, in books that are just about this topic, um, I found the most helpful. Certainly I, I also read a lot of books about like, uh, I like reading biographies. So about entrepreneurial um, personalities, um, because I found this, I find this always a little bit better than reading books that give advice, because I find these advice oftentimes don't apply or like find it hard to apply to the specific situation you're in. Mm -hmm. But with they talk about their life, you know, they just talk about what happened and what happened happened, and they, it's usually also a lot deeper in terms of the emotions that they felt and how they dealt with it and. Uh, I found that for myself, it's I can take much more out of this than from from books about that are only about advisors. I find myself going through cycles where I'll I'll read a bunch of biographies and then I'll read a bunch of business books and then I'll read a bunch of just totally unrelated uh, related books. But do you have any biographies that in particular you mm -hmm. enjoyed or found to be particularly interesting? I think uh, one of my favorites was um, from Ed Catmull about uh, the, the, the Pixar story. That's certainly one of my favorites. Um, the, the Steve Jobs book is something that is super inspiring. And the book that you mentioned about Pixar, is that Creativity Inc.? Is that the one you were oh, talking yeah. about? Yeah, yeah, Creativity yeah. Inc., yeah. Which is on my list. I've I've read the Steve Jobs, which is very very interesting, and Creativity mm -hmm. Inc. has also been on my list. So I will I'll have to add it. I've heard that that's very good as well. Just about creativity in general uh, is is supposed to be a great book. Yeah, I mean the, just the way this this company is or was organized, and and it's really cool, really inspiring. I think. So anything as you are further along in your career, anything that you wish you would have learned earlier or, or something you would have wished that you knew earlier in your career? As always with these questions about past regrets, um, if you hadn't done all this, this stupid stuff, you would not be who you are today. So it's, uh, 
I, I wouldn't say that there are huge regrets that I have that would make would have made a, a huge difference if I if I acted in a different way. Of course, you make mistakes, and if you could go back, you might would you would probably would not do the same mistake again. So nothing, nothing specific that you that you'd call out. No. And I do think it's a great point to, you know, again, I wouldn't even say mistakes, but certainly learnings, right? Things that take time and experience to whether you know that it's a good idea to to do something a certain way. Many times it takes making, again, not necessarily mistakes, but having certain experiences that uh, inform you about how to do it better the next time, I think is yeah. is valid and a part of everybody's experience professionally and, and personally. So for you, any advice that you would give for people who are listening to this and saying, I really want to get involved in product, you know, I don't know how to do it, or, you know, what advice would you give for people who want to follow the same path? I'd say if you really want this, then then you should just try to get into the outdoor industry and, and I mean, you're not probably not always going to get a product management position right away, but I think if you're showing interest then it's all about motivation i i believe but i say that the outdoor industry is maybe not for everyone i think i think that's something that i i've seen quite often um in my years now working there that you really should be honest um to yourself if you really want to work there because it sounds quite fun and adventurous and so on but it's a lot of people start like this and then they realize it's still a job you still have to invest, especially as a product manager, you have to invest a lot of time. You have to work more than 40 hours, most probably. And you need this intrinsic motivation. And this is something that I found that a lot of people, or like that there are quite some people that start want to start in the outdoor industry because it, it sounds really fun. And then they realize, oh, it's I still have to invest a lot myself you know mm-hmm. if you want to if you want to earn a lot of money the outdoor industry or that there are better ways than to work in the outdoor industry mm-hmm. so you need to to see what you're doing and then i'd say if you have the choice uh start in small companies small companies you 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 are just you have to do a lot by yourself and you get a much steeper learning curve than working in, in bigger companies yeah, it's it, both both great comments. I can remember when I had when I had big company experience. I can remember trying to get jobs at small companies and having people say, "Well, you're just a big company person, so you don't really understand what it takes to to get things done at a small company." I can remember other times talking to folks and them saying, "Well, why don't you go get experience at a big company first? Because their mm-hmm. definition of what a big company was was <laughs> maybe different than." than other people. So I, I agree. I mean, I think there's, there's value to be had in both. And I think for some, for a lot of people, it's just about understanding the differences. And you know, I, I almost find that it takes experience. You can make assumptions about what you'll like or not like, but until you've really done it, um, yeah. you know, big company or small company, it's kind of hard to know, but I think understanding the differences and understanding there's going to be positives and negatives of both is, is really important. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I think that's, that's really good advice. I think your other point about a lot of people get into the outdoor industry, just thinking, Oh, I'm passionate about climbing. So therefore I'm going to love the outdoor industry. And I think 
I can remember working for my first company, which was in mm-hmm. PowerTool. I can remember thinking it would be a lot better if I could wear whatever I wanted to wear to work. And if mm-hmm. I could go climbing at lunch with people that I worked with and, mm-hmm. and I can remember going from there uh, and getting my first job in the outdoor industry, which was at Thule. And mm-hmm. about six months in, I started thinking there really are some real benefits to being able to wear whatever I want to work. And it wasn't climbing yeah. and at Thule, it was cycling, but we, you know, we started cycling on lunch break and that was yeah. Yeah. like a huge thing for me. I remember and a huge, a huge benefit, but I also totally agree with the idea that, uh, you know, passion for the activity will only get you so far and it is important, but it's also not the only thing. And, you know, you still need to be able to find the passion in your profession and in, in, in the work itself, um, regardless of, you know, of your passion for the activity or the industry. So I think it's a really, really valid and important point for people to consider as they're considering what they want to do in the future. Yeah. Cool. So I know you are, you know, on LinkedIn, any places that the easiest way for people to reach out or get in, get in touch if, if they're interested in reaching out to you? I'd say probably it's, it's LinkedIn for these professional purposes. I mean, I, I usually always answer my messages there and LinkedIn is a good place. Great. Well, I just want to thank you again for your time today, Phil. It's been really great. Thank you for having me. Yeah. To talk more about your background and it's really interesting to see what's the same and what's different. It's a great thing you have there, I, th- I think, especially like, yeah, great. it's a great source for people that are interested in this. And I, I was really pleased to find this, that there's like really something focusing on product management in the outdoor industry. It's really cool. Yeah, great. And I know you've added to that and people that listen today are going to learn more about the industry and about uh, how they can also follow a career in product management. So I appreciate you adding to that body of knowledge. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by OutdoorPMSchool.com, an eight-week online course designed for aspiring outdoor industry product managers. Check out OutdoorPMSchool.com to learn more about who we are and how we can help.